Mindfulness Mode 293. If people were able to take a step back and be more mindful uh, of what they're actually doing, I think that we'd be much better off. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks for tuning in. If you're a return listener, great to have you here. If you're new, I appreciate you. And hey, please hit subscribe so you won't miss any episodes if you're enjoying the show. I want to share with you a comment one of my listeners have has left on my uh, website. Thank you so much if you've left comments. And and if you will go there after you listen to the show and leave a comment, I'll read your review on the air as well. Here's the comment I received from my listener, Jay Barshop. This person said, awesome show, highly recommend. Bruce and his guests provide some incredibly compelling content that's geared to help you take actionable steps to live a healthier, more well-rounded life. Highly recommend listening and subscribing to Mindfulness Mode if you want the knowledge and mindsets to improve your body, mind, and spirit and live your best life as a result. So thanks for leaving that comment, Jay Barshop. Totally appreciate it. Today, my guest seemed to have no fear. He was in his early 20s. He started generating income by creating live events. His success was exploding. And then, well, you'll hear his story right here. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the energy and optimism of my good friend, Justin. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we've got a really fun episode coming up. This is this is Justin Shank I've got with me. Hey, Justin, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. I feel like I got to be when I'm with you, man. <laughs> totally. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, we had a lot of fun hanging out in San Diego. We were at an event there and the New Media Summit it was. And uh, that was a lot of fun to meet you in person and to hang out for a while. And now we get to hang out on the episode. So this is this is going to be cool. So, Justin, what does mindfulness mean to you, man? I mean, mindfulness to me really means just living in the moment, right? Not being distracted by outside things, not being worried about what's next. It's just about living in the moment and just enjoying what's happening right now. Yeah, and it totally is. Well, you've had some challenges in your life. I know that. You talked with me a little bit about some of this stuff. And as you look back, you know, growing up, you had a few difficult things going on. What's the most challenging thing that pops into your mind when you think back to your teens and and that part of your life? Uh, there wasn't, there wasn't much stability, really. I think that that was kind of the, the, the hard part for me. I mean, to kind of go into it a little bit, my mom uh, had a 20 year pill addiction with opi- opioids and, and uh, pills. And, and my dad did a couple things. He ended up in jail for about two and a half years. And so I was moving around a lot. There was not much stability, um, you know, through school and, 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 uh, you know, I, don't get me wrong. My parents are very loving parents mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I'm the man I am today because of them, but, it, it makes it a little difficult when your parents don't really have their stuff together and you're trying to figure out life. Yeah. And so was it, was it tough keeping friends during that time? I mean, you said you were moving around all the time. So, yeah. So I, I would move around a lot just because of financially my parents weren't stable. So I was always in the same school district until I was about 15. Okay. Uh, and that's when my dad got arrested. So I was then kind of forced to change schools. Uh, so after my sophomore year of high school, I, I changed high schools. 
um, that was super difficult. Uh, you know, I always say the poster child of the one who shouldn't have graduated high school. My junior year GPA was 1.7. Mm -hmm. um, talk about somebody not being mindful. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be in school because everything that was going on, I had to change schools. I didn't really like my new atmosphere. I was living with my aunt and uncle at the time. Uh, so it was difficult, you know, and it was very, very hard to stay focused. Um, but I was lucky enough to have an amazing uh, guidance counselor in the school who convinced the principals that it's not because I'm dumb, it's because of other things. And they, they passed me on to senior year. So because of that moment is because the reason I graduated high school, really. So what was life for you like after high school? Sure. Um, so I, I still lived with my mom for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, things were okay. She was actually pretty stable at that point. I was just working, uh, you know, just trying to get my feet, you know, figure out life, figure out how mm -hmm. to be an adult kind of deal. Sure. And then my mom ended up getting engaged and she moved to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, and then about a year and a half after that, now I'm about, I'm about 19, almost 20 at this point. Uh, she kept losing her job here. She was unable to pay her bills. Her relationship had ended. Uh, and so I moved to Reading, Pennsylvania to kind of help her out, uh, you know, and help her pay bills and kind of stabilize her life a little bit. Um, you know, and those moments were really difficult. Uh, you know, that was probably in our deepest dark, some of our deepest and darkest times. I mean, there are times where I'd walk in the living room and she was petting a cat that wasn't even there. Uh, and then she would yell at me for scaring this cat away. Uh, um, you know, there were there were days where she would take 20 to 30 Oxycontins a day. I mean, this is something where if I take one, I would fall asleep for hours. And she was taking 20 to 30 and still going grocery shopping and still trying to go to work and trying to do these things. And it's a terrible thing. And it really links back to depression for her. Uh, you know, I know that. Um, and so there's still a ton of love for my mom and, and she's really the reason why I do a lot of what I do today, but it was difficult being 19, 20 years old, racking up my credit card debt and, and all those things trying to help her out. And then you somewhere along the line became a speaker and you did events. When did that start happening? Yeah. So I was, I was probably about 22 when I, when I launched that company, it was called Jetbug. Uh, we talked a little bit about that before yeah. we got on the call. Uh, and what we did was we put, we put together seminars and expos that focused on personal and professional growth. Um, we actually called them the growth now seminars and expos. Uh, and you know, we bring in speakers and, and, uh, they would present to the, the audience and, and we'd kind of, we'd, we'd sell tickets and that's how we'd make money. Um, things were going really, really well. And we decided to do a big business expo. We took every single dime we made, dumped it into this business expo. We paid a big speaker to come in a ton of money. Um, and then we ended up selling three tickets to the event. Mm. Um, so with that being said, it closed our doors. I mean, we were still young. I think I was 25 at that point. So we were a couple years into the business. Um, and so we decided to kind of step back and focus on our, our personal life and our personal journey. I had just gotten engaged um, and, uh, you know, and, and I was doing well in my day job that I still had at the time. So uh, we just kind of went our separate ways for a couple of years. Well, I just want to step back here. You know, I, you've told us about these challenges you had and how difficult it was going through your teens. You get to, you know, 1920 and all of a sudden at 22, you put together this company and you're doing, you know, all this stuff about social, you know, self-improvement and everything else. Like, how did you get there so fast in two years to that point that you were actually having events and you were up on stage? Like some people spend like decades before they get to that point. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was a culmination, of a lot of things. I don't think it was the 19 to 22. I think it was the 14 to 22 uh, going through all those things and, and realizing that, you know, I didn't want to live the life my parents were living at the time. 
Mm -hmm. right? So I wanted to create my own life and I wanted to step into something a little bit greater. So I found mentors and and teachers along the way. And when I was 18, I started selling Cutco knives. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did, I did really well with the company, became a manager. And that's where I started to kind of fall into like the self-help world. Okay. Um, And there's a story that I tell that when I was a manager, uh, we had a college kid working for us for the summer and he made like no money, but he really enjoyed the job. And, And he came to me at the end of the summer and he goes, you know, Justin, I, I, I didn't make any money. I probably would have made more money working at McDonald's all summer long, but because of what you taught me, I'm a better person. And in that moment, I was like, I need to give back to the world and I need to help the world grow a little bit. That's a great story. And Cutco Knives, I mean, there have been a lot of amazing guys come out of that company and don't they really, uh, spend a lot of time helping young people make a go of it? Is there an emphasis there? They do. Um, you know, it's definitely, it starts, it starts young. I mean, we, we certainly recruit or they certainly recruit college kids and trying to get them in. Um, and you know, and, and, and the, hopefully they get everything out of it. Right. So I learned how to get, do sales. I learned public speaking. I learned all these things through Cutco um, and all those tools are there. And these people that do well in the business, they're the ones that dive in. Right. So you have to be able to dive in. It's a time commitment. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but you know, a lot of, I've had a number of people on my podcast that were Cutco people and that they're all rock stars. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. The tools that they teach young kids, it's work ethic. I mean, when I was a manager with the company, I was working hundred hours a week. That's not an exaggeration. Like it sounds like I'm making that up, but it's completely true. Um, it's just about work ethic and understanding that the more work you put in, the more you get out. Um, so I think that what they teach is really, really good. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with you. I've had some guests on from Cutco as well before. So that is the missing piece. You know, that missing piece makes sense to me now, Cutco. And so now you're doing other things. What are you doing now? Uh, Yeah, so I have uh, the podcast, The Growth Now Movement. So we we interview people with inspiring stories of growth, whether it's personal or professional. Uh, And that's actually spawned a lot of other things for me. So it was funny. I kind of started the podcast for selfish reasons. I was like, I just want to have a really cool conversation with really cool people. If nobody yeah. listens, fine. But if I can impact one life, that's amazing, right? For sure. um, and that was kind of the goal. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really kind of become something for me, uh, you know, a business. So I, I produce other people's podcasts and I help them get them off the ground and help them realize what their vision is and what their dreams are and coach them through that uh, and do the production on the back end for them. Uh, and then I'm still doing speaking as well. So I speak on two different things. I talk a little bit more about my life of overcoming adversities and, and not allowing your life to dictate who you become. Uh, and then also I talk to, to corporations about utilizing podcasts to help grow their, their organization or if they're salespeople, how do I grow my sales team, you know, through podcasting, et cetera. Yeah. Podcasting is becoming more and more prominent and especially for corporations. They want to, they want to use a podcast to spread the word. How are they using it? Can you tell me a little bit more about how corporations are jumping on board and why they want to do it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of brands are starting their own podcasts from the standpoint that it, it, it gives them a new reach, right? So if they're a smaller brand within the United States, they can launch a podcast and within weeks, they're played in, you know, 50 plus countries. Um, so they're using it to build their brand in a substantial way, right? It gives you that platform to grow. Then you have entrepreneurs who use it kind of like I did to build your brand, your, your personal brand. So you're able to kind of monetize yourself as an individual. So whether that's through you know, speaking, coaching, you know, different online courses, however you want to do that through podcasting, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And so do you uh, sometimes host for them or do they get their own host and you just produce the whole thing? They get their own host. I do the producing. I do upload for them a lot of the times. I have different packages. 
Um, but like on the higher end, I'll do all the, like the, the writing and I'll post for them and, and all that stuff, but they, they handle all the hosting. Justin, I want to talk about your speaking work that you do. Tell mm-hmm. me about the mindfulness needed. You know, you're waiting backstage. You're going to go on there. You're going to talk to this big audience and you don't want to fall flat. You want to make sure you connect with them. How do you do that and how do you use mindfulness to make it work? That's a great question. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I think that I need to get better at that because every time there's a, an insane fear, uh, there's many times where I walk off the stage and I'm blacked out. <laughs> I was like, what happened? What did I say? What did I mess up? What didn't I say? Um, but it, no, but, but in, in seriousness, you know, it, it's really about just kind of consistency and practice, right? So before I go up, I just take a couple deep breaths. I kind of like get into myself and say, look, you know the information, you know what you're doing, just go out there and deliver it. It's up to them whether they like you or not, right? Like you just got to be yourself. Um, but it's really about self-check, um, you know, not not allowing yourself to kind of get out of your body and be like, well, I'm freaking out. What's happening? Um, but, you know, those deep breaths are one thing that I really, really do. In a sense, it's kind of like meditation for a brief couple of seconds and um, centering yourself and, and just walking out on stage and saying, here I am. Does it always help? No. I mean, there's times where in the first 30 seconds to a minute, I'm still a little jittery. I'm sure people can tell some, they claim they can't tell, but uh, I'm sure they can. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely just those deep breaths and just understanding that I'm, I know what I'm about to say and I'm just going to deliver it the best I can. Well, you've told us about some of your challenges. Why did you hit that topic of adversity and stick with it and realize that that was the topic you wanted to talk on? Yeah. So there's this quote, which is life is uh, 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. Uh, and to me, that reigns true in everything that I do. Right. Uh, and, and it culminates with the idea that, you know, two actually coming up on the two year anniversary of my mom passing away due to her, her addiction. Uh-huh. Um, and in that moment, I had two choices, right? I could have wallowed. I could have been sad. I could have allowed that to put me in some sort of depression mode. Or I could have said, hey, I'm going to take this. I'm going to make something great. And I'm going to spread a better message. And I'm going to help people that are in that space. Um, and part of me was very adamant of saying, here's where I want to go with the podcast due to that. Because the podcast launched after she passed away. Okay. Uh, but there, a lot of that was like, here's the direction I want to go. Um, but what I found that organically was that I was spreading this message and every single episode, for some odd reason, we hit on the topic of self-love and how important that is to overcoming your rock bottoms, right? And then as I started to think about it, I realized my mom had no self-love and that was her, that was her illness. It was a depression. It was a sadness, but it was really like she didn't see her worth. Even though the rest of the world saw her worth, she didn't see it. Um, and if, if I can teach people those little things of, of saying, hey, like, just because you're here right now, that doesn't mean who that's who you are, right? If you're an addict, that doesn't mean who you are. It just means we got to overcome something. If you're broke and homeless, it doesn't mean that's who you are. We just need to overcome something. Um, and I want to be able to help people and show people that, that that's the way, right? Um, just because my mom was an addict doesn't mean I'm an addict. It doesn't mean I need to go down that path. So it's about making the right choices. And all we can control is the next step. So we need to be able to make the next right step. For sure. Well, people slide into victimhood. They slide into that place where they just, like you say, identify themselves as that person in that situation. How do you help people from just feeling like the victim? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really through my own message, but then also with, if I'm looking at the podcast, it's every person I interview. 
Um, because the last question that I ask on my podcast, every single episode is in your life, what has been your biggest moment of growth? And their biggest moment of growth has always been their rock bottom. I mean, I've, I'm talking about, I've had people that were homeless and people stepping over them on the street. I've had somebody who had 19 bankrupt businesses before he became a multimillionaire. He now runs 19 businesses that bring in over a million dollars a year each. Um, you know, and, and so it shows you that like, you're not alone right? You, you are definitely not alone in your battle of what you're going through. Uh, there's a lot more in the world that you have to offer. There's somebody in this world right now, no matter where you are, that wants your life. Wow. That to me blows my mind. Cause yeah. there's so many times where like, even I, I mean, I've, I've be, I've played the victim. I mean, yeah. we're all guilty of it. It's yeah, we are. Um, and so then I, you have to step back and realize the good things that you have. So a lot of people talk about gratitude, you know, I, I, I write down things that I'm grateful for every single morning. Uh, and I do that because it puts me in a place of saying, hey, look, today might or yesterday might not have been the best day, but I woke up this morning focusing on the things that I'm grateful for instead of the things that, that aren't going right. Uh, and it, it's immediate mind shift to say, hey, life isn't that bad. You know what I mean? And it could be something as simple as I'm thankful for eggs because they only take two minutes to cook because I was so hungry when I woke up. So it just kind of depends. I mean, you know, what's what's good happening in your life right now? Let's focus on that instead of the negative. Good point. Good point. You talked about your mom. What about your dad? What's your relationship like with him? Yeah. So my relationship with my father now is phenomenal. Um, you know, I was just the best man at his wedding uh, about a year ago, just just across about a year ago. Uh, but there was a time where I didn't talk to my dad for seven and a half years. Um, and, and, and honestly, that's just because he, he at one point was a total jerk and I didn't want to talk to him. Yeah. Um, but you know, back when I was 15 years old, my dad, uh, came out of the closet and said that he was, he was gay. And, um, that was, that was strange for me when you're a 15 year old kid and your dad yes. says that. And, yeah. uh, you're, you're kind of like, Oh wow. Like, I'm, I'm, I, that's, is that what a man is? Is that, you know what I mean? You question everything at that point. Like yes. your thoughts on that when you're 15 is, is mind blowing. Um, and I think we've evolved in the last 18 years. Uh, about that thought process. So 18 years ago when you're 15 is completely different than now, but uh, he said that and um, he like went on the tailspin and, and became a jerk. And so I didn't talk to him for seven and a half years. Um, and I cut him out of my life, him and his entire family out of my life for seven and a half years. And it wasn't an easy decision. Um, but I knew that I couldn't move forward and become a better person if that negativity was constantly around me. Um, and so I, I did that. I ended up, it was when I was 18 when I did that. Um, and then, you know, after about seven and a half years, he came to me and said, wow, Justin, I didn't realize what I was doing. And, and he was very apologetic. And since then, we've had a great relationship. Uh, and like I said, he uh, about a year ago, he married his partner of 14 years, uh, Joey, and uh, they're super happy and I'm super grateful for them. And um, I gave a best man speech and, and mm -hmm. it, people liked it. People cried, people laughed. And that was the goal. And uh, yeah. so everything's great with him now. Yeah. So you've really led an interesting life. And <laughs> at your young age, how old are you anyway? I'm 33. Yeah, because, you know, we, I kind of was adding it up there and I thought, okay, you know, with the number of years you were tossing out there and I thought, yeah, that's pretty young to have had all these different things happen and you've been on the stage and you've had companies and now you're helping podcasters and uh, coaching people, working with people. So you, it sounds like you use mindfulness every day. Do you meditate, Justin? Um, I do. I'm not the best at it, to be completely honest with you. Uh, my meditation is more like like a, a visualization type of thing because my mind just wanders and then it just gets all messed up unless I'm truly just focused on something. But what I do is when I do this in the morning, I sit down and I take a deep breath um, and, I, and I breathe, focus on my breath. But then I also visualize what's next. 
Um, you know, what, whether it's my day, if I have something big in the day, I'll visualize, you know, an interview that I might be doing that day, or I visualize the stage that I might be on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I put myself in the right mindset. So as far as like silent meditation, I'm not the best at it. I've tried many different things. I've tried guided meditation. Um, but so I do my own form uh, Mm -hmm. of meditation. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you, uh, about bullying. Were you ever bullied? Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? You know, I was never bullied. Um, when I was young, actually, another thing that happened in my life, when I was 12 years old, I broke my hip. Um, oh. And then, yeah, and then a couple of years later, I broke my other hip. So, you know, five surgeries throughout the course of three years and all these other things. Um, but with that being said, it, it almost made me not bulliable because it would be horrible if people oh. picked on me. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I, I actually just recently interviewed a guy named Justin Wren, who uh, is a Bellator MMA fighter. Um, okay. And uh, he told, told a story about being bullied in school and it was just terribly sad. And, yeah. and um, you know, I didn't, I've never personally experienced being bullied, but I can only imagine if the bullies themselves just were able to kind of take a deep breath and not be peer pressured into doing these things and just understanding that we're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that, that would, that would help a whole lot. Um, I don't know exactly what that would look like. Cause again, I've never personally been in those moments. Um, but, but, uh, I imagine just if people were able to take a step back and be more mindful, uh, of what they're actually doing, I think that we'd be much better off. Did you ever feel like you were being bullied in business at all? It's a good question, actually. Um, every, probably every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, I think that in business it's a competition, um, or people look at it as competition. Sure. I think plenty of, there's plenty of people to go around, right? Um, but you know, uh, you know, making posts and people taking them down or people, you know, people commenting negatively or whatever the case may be. Sure. I mean, it happens. I mean, people reach out. Actually, I, I had a guy, e- actually, it's really funny that you said this. I had a, a guy email me. This is probably about a year ago Yeah. saying that I'm a fraud and I get all my content from my guests and I, none of the content actually comes from me. And it was like this long email. Like it was like, why are you taking the time out of your day to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually wrote an email back in defense and being angry and like, Oh, whatever. Um, but I deleted it because I became mindful of what I was doing. Right. Um, and I just wrote him an email back and I just said, thank you so much for your perspective. I really appreciate it. I want you to just hang in there for a little bit longer and keep listening. You might like some of the things that are coming up. Ah, good move. That was a mindful yeah. move. Like you said, yeah. So, so bullied in business, not necessarily, but I guess that's a bully in a way, like you can't, whether it was through jealousy or whatever, uh, but it, it happened. And I was like, why, why is this happening? That was the only time somebody ever came at me negatively for the podcast though, which is cool. Right. Well, sometimes those things can help us grow. That's for sure. Even though we don't like it at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Justin, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person that you would say has influenced your mindfulness in your life? Influenced my mindfulness. Caused you to be more mindful. My mom. Um, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, my mom, and, and really because she's been, she went through what she went through. Um, but she constantly loved others more than you could ever imagine. And no matter what their circumstances, she was always so loving and so accepting. And so because of her, I've become more accepting and more mindful of others. And how has mindfulness influenced your emotions, Justin? 
they're getting better. Like it, I've, I was always a reactor. I yeah. was always a reactor. Um, but I'm learning still, I actually have a relationship coach, but, uh, you know, I'm learning still not to do that. I'm learning that they're, you know, not everybody's out to get me kind of deal. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, I do this in, in a number of different ways. And one is just stepping away, taking a walk, putting myself in a different mindset, uh, trying to see things from their standpoint instead of mine uh, and not being so selfish about it. How is breathing part of your mindfulness practice? Uh, breathing is probably the most important part because if I'm not breathing properly or if I don't pause and take those deep breaths, I do that blackout thing, right? And I don't realize even what's going on. And then I'm just constantly reacting, uh, you know, and and then I become a a hot mess, so to say. Uh, So, you know, breathing for me is probably the number one thing. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a lifesaver for me. Actually, Jarek Robbins, who's Tony Robbins' son, taught me a really cool way, like a breathing technique. Yeah, what's that? So essentially what you do is like you take three quick breaths in through your nose, Mm -hmm. real aggressive, and then slowly breathe out your mouth. Uh, And then you three quick breaths through your mouth and then slowly breathe out your nose. Uh, And you can, and you repeat that. And it almost actually gets you a little high a little bit, right? So like, Mm -hmm. how does you calm down your, your, you know, your brain starts to think a little bit better. Um, And it was just a really cool technique that he taught me. And so when, whenever I get super stressed out or I don't think things are going to go my way, I sit down, put my feet flat on the ground and I do that. And it kind of calms me out. Ah, that's a great tip. Well, Justin, can you recommend a book that's related to mindfulness in some way that could be helpful? Yeah, I mean, you know, something that kind of taught me the importance of meditation um, or, you know, being able to visualize and all these other things uh, was The Miracle Morning uh, by Hal Rod. I'm sure a lot of people have said that on your yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually was on a conference call when I was 18 years old talking about Cutco. Uh, when I was 18 years old about Hellrod and he was talking about the miracle morning yeah. and he talked about getting up at 4:30 in the morning and I hung up halfway through the call. Um, so I was one of the first people in the country ever to hear about the miracle morning and I hung up on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, when you were talking about Cutco immediately, I thought Hal Elrod and then I thought, is that true? Is he Cutco? I, and I thought he was, but mm-hmm. you know, then I started to doubt myself, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was the, one of the Cutco guys. Well, can you share an app? which helps with your mindfulness in one way or another? Yeah. So, um, not, not really, to be honest with you. I, I, I used to use uh, headspace, uh, yes. but I stopped using that, uh, because the, again, remember I told you sitting in, in these silence places, I do horrible. Uh, so the 10 minutes felt like four hours to me, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, headspace works for a lot of people. I've, I told people about it when I was using it and they're still using it. Um, so, I mean, if I had to think of something, headspace would be a recommendation. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for that. Well, you know what? If anybody's listening right now and they're thinking, you know, I'd want to get a podcast together, I would love to do that. Well, it sounds like you're in luck because the producer, the potential producer is right here. How could Mindful Tribe get in touch with you and learn more about what you do and maybe connect? Yeah, sure. So there's two ways. So they can go to beginpodcastingnow.com uh, and they can uh, see kind of the different packages I have and they can fill out a form for a free consultation and I'll, I'll hop on a call with them and kind of see what they're thinking about their podcast. Uh, I'm also very honest. If you're not ready to start a podcast, I will tell you that. Um, so if you guys are just want to see if you're ready for it, give me a call, uh, fill out that form and, and we'll figure that out. Um, or they can check out my podcast at growthnowmovement.com or just search on iTunes. Um, you know, we have a weekly episode every single week, amazing guests. I'm hoping you're going to be on my show in the near future if you're, I would love if you're willing to and able. Uh, and, uh, you know, just really excited. And, and that's kind of the best way. I mean, Facebook, they can search me on Facebook. Um, you know, so feel free to reach out and let me know what you guys are thinking. 
growthnowmovement.com. So check that out for sure. Don't forget Growth Now Movement. It's a, it's a great spot. And, you know, it's been great talking with you. You're so authentic. You're so real. So who you are, I'm sure it has a lot to do with what you've been through, where you've been, and that kind of thing. But I really appreciate having you on the show, Justin. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, Bruce, thank you so much for having me, man. I, I'm so glad we connected in San Diego. We had a blast. <laughs> yeah, we Hopefully did. we'll be doing it again soon. Maybe even in Canada, we can go to the the uh, the Labatt's place over there and we'll drink some beers (laughs) yeah we'll do that for sure that'll be a lot of fun yeah so justin i look yeah i totally look forward to hanging out again and uh so you take care thanks yeah see you buddy bye now thank you so much for joining us today on mindfulness mode for insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode check out mindfulnessmode.com if you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.